As always, it's your boy Justin Pora. Thank you for joining me wherever you may be listening, available on all podcasting platforms. And if you haven't, please rate, subscribe, maybe even leave a review if you're feeling it. Big news for the podcast, I have now partnered up with my good friends over at Book It Sports. If you haven't heard about Book It, you need to go check them out. Download the Book It Sports app through the App Store, whether it's iTunes or Android, to join a community of sports lovers and gamblers to discuss lines, rumors, and more. I am now off Twitter giving my picks, and I will be giving daily NBA picks exclusively on the Book It app. You can follow me there, at jpora. Also, go ahead, follow the account on Twitter, at jphoopspod for other daily NBA content, and you can follow me as well, at jpor24, and go ahead and follow Book It Sports at Book It HQ on Twitter. Starting next week, now that football is completely done, it is NBA season 24-7 in the sports world. I will be moving the podcast to twice a week, new episodes coming out every Tuesday, every Friday, to get more in-depth on some you know, games happening every single day. We'll get more into each game more carefully, start to analyze it a bit more. Award race is really starting to heat up. The trade deadline uh, approaching soon, so we want to make sure that everything is covered and it will all be presented by our friends over at Book It Sports. A lot to get into, but first, we remember today for what really affected the entire NBA community exactly one year ago today as I am recording on Tuesday, January 26, 2021. One year ago in 2020, an NBA legend in every sense of the word, Kobe Bryant, tragically passed away in a horrific helicopter crash. His 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, also in that crash, along with several other uh, members of Gigi's basketball team and their families, along with those uh, maneuvering the helicopter, to just list Kobe's accolades would be uh, an indictment. You know, it's not fair to really, you know, sum up who he was as a person through his accomplishments five time NBA champion, one time MVP, two time finals MVP, fourth all time in NBA history in scoring. And, you know, he was just a terrific person off the court after his basketball career. He had so many plans for the film industry and writing and charity that he was planning on doing. He was a big advocate in pushing for exposure for the WNBA. His daughter Gigi was set to become a very good WNBA player. I think that was easy to figure out since she was, you know, a little girl at eight years old. She was 13 Talking to Gino Oriema of UConn, it was just tragic. I remember where I was when I heard the news. I was in my uh, college apartment senior year, and it was something that I, I will never forget. I'm sure a lot of people listening will never forget. So we just take a, a moment to remember Kobe Bryant, Gigi Bryant, the entire Bryant family in this time. Uh, it's just devastating. It was crazy that 
someone as iconic as Kobe, you know, left our lives as abruptly as he did. And, uh, you know, he's gone too soon. He had so many great things planned ahead. And uh, prayers up to Vanessa, the Bryant family, the Laker family, you know, as uh, it won't get any easier. But we have to just remember Kobe for all the good that he gave us and all the moments that he left us with. And now as, you know, talk about Kobe for a little bit, the guy who is really trying to honor his legacy in the fullest capacity possible is a guy in LeBron James, who is now, you know, leading the Laker legacy at this moment. He just led them to their 17th championship, uh, the most in NBA history, uh, now a four times final MVP, looking to go back to back something the Lakers haven't done since. Kobe Bryant was running the show back in 2009-2010. So as we speak about LeBron James, we have to kind of capture the enormity of who he is right now. 37 years old, 18th NBA season, and Monday night he goes to Cleveland. You know, kind of hard for an older player to do the whole West Coast, East Coast road trip, it is tedious at this point in his career. He, he's he been doing it, but, you know, not something he necessarily wants to do. Older players that are fed up with it, they're done traveling. That's why they retire when their powers are done. But LeBron James's powers, I mean, to say he's still, he's at the peak, it's an understatement. This man goes... For 46 points, 7 of 11 from 3, and was really the only Laker on the court who gave a damn about this game as they hold off the Cavs for a win in Cleveland. And, you know, something that was funny, during the game you could see at the end of the third quarter, LeBron tries for a shot he missed, and he looked over to the uh, sideline across from the bench, and he like kind of nods his head. And we find out after the game that it was a executive of the Cavaliers who was, in LeBron's words, quote, a little too happy to see him miss. And then what did LeBron do after that? Oh, you know, a casual 21 points in the fourth quarter. It wasn't a game the Lakers needed to win. Lakers don't necessarily give a damn about the regular season. But for that moment in that game, LeBron James... Oh, he had a whole lot to prove in his mind. 46 points, 7 of 11 from 3, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Lakers win. Lakers 14 and 4, best record in the league, first seed in the West, and LeBron continues to make history. This year, averaging over 27 points, over 7 rebounds, over 7 assists, 32.7 minutes per game. If this trend continues, LeBron James on pace to be the first player in NBA history to average over 25, 7, and 7 with under 33 minutes per game in NBA history. Oh, by the way, that does not count that he's averaging 50% shooting from the field, 41% from three. He is a freak of nature, and he's barely playing. We know that LeBron James plays for championships now in this career, 
And, you know, the, the casual LeBron hater will say, oh, he just packs it in during the regular season. Oh, he's just waiting. Oh, he load manages. Oh, he sits out. Forget that. He goes on the floor when directed by Frank Vogel and absolutely balls out like no one else on the planet can do. But the Frank Vogel and the Lakers are just smarter than everybody. They are managing his minutes because they know when they need him to ball out will be the playoffs. That doesn't mean sit him. That doesn't mean let him rest games. That doesn't mean LeBron James wants to rest games. No, no, no. Frank Vogel is just limiting his minutes during these meaningless regular season games. But when he's out there, he's the best player on the floor and the best player in this league still at 37 years old. And the Lakers, 14-4, and number one seed in the West, and still the favorites to win the NBA title because of LeBron James. And he is proving to everyone once again that he is the king. In my eyes, the greatest of all time. Some may beg to differ. I would love to revisit this conversation when he wins ring number five this year. Oh, it's going to be something special, let me tell you. But, you know, one thing that LeBron James is tired of and will never get again probably because Frank Vogel is smart and is going to manage his minutes and because, quite frankly, there is some, you know, storyline for these uh, beat writers in the league to not vote him for this award again because he should have won last year. Let's get into some MVP talk. We know LeBron should be considered. He won't be. And you know what? His numbers don't match up to the names I'm about to read off because he does only play 32 minutes per game. But, you know, that's beside the point. Everyone who watches the NBA knows that he is the best player in the league. So let's give the award to someone else. And I'm going to talk about some names. It feels like MVP talk is pretty hot right now, and it's led by one man for very good reason in Joel Embiid. But let's get into some of the candidates and talk about what these players mean to their teams and my views on it. So I just mentioned Joel Embiid, career high, 27.7 points per game, career high, 55% from the field, career high, 40% from three, all massive improvements from what he did, not only last year, but, you know, from every year, he gets healthier, he gets better, and he gets more consistent. Also 11.5 rebounds per game, sixers. I don't think anyone could have predicted this 12 and six first place in the Eastern Conference. The Sixers were a team that I said needed to improve from last year. The one excuse that they were able to use every single year when getting bounced early on in the playoffs last year in the first round of the playoffs was that Brett Brown is a terrible coach and they don't have shooting. Those were their two excuses. They went out, they fired Brett Brown, they got Doc Rivers, they added Danny Green, they added Seth Curry, and look at that. First place in the Eastern Conference, and Joel Embiid is shining, playing at an MVP level. And they wanted to 
You wanted them to trade for James Harden. You wanted them to give up Ben Simmons for James Harden. Look what happens when all finally works out well. Joel Embiid is healthy. Ben Simmons knows his role. And there are shooters around the both of them. 12-6 first in the East. Joel Embiid, MVP candidate. And the top two candidates for MVP, something that's contrary to everything we've been saying about the NBA over the past half decade, that big men can't win in this league, you need a star guard to win. Look who the other top candidate for MVP is. It's Nicole Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. He's also averaging a career high in points per game at 25.4. A career high in rebounds per game, 12. A career high in assists per game, 9.3. He is .7 assists per game shy of averaging a triple-double, something that's only been done twice, oh yeah, both by guards under six foot three. That's insanity. He's also shooting the ball at a 56% clip, averaging about two steals per game. And the number one thing when talking about Nikola Jokic that a lot of people have criticized him on has been his weight and his endurance and his stamina. Well, he's averaging a career high by three minutes per game just over 35 minutes a game. And the Nuggets are 10 and 7, fourth place in the West. And that also, you have to consider that Jamal Murray is only just starting to get hot now. He started the season off very slow, especially when you look at what he did in the bubble. A lot of people were anticipating all star year. He struggled out of the gate, but Nikola Jokic has held it down and he is balling. And him and Embiid are the two leading front runners for the MVP award this year. A couple of big men, both on the younger side, younger than 26, both of them. And and we keep saying, oh, you can't win in this league without a star guard or a star small forward. I mean, history is correct, right? Look, LeBron James has been a winner, small forward. Kevin Durant has won NBA championships, small forward. Steph Curry was the leader of the most recent dynasty, point guard. Look at this, couple of big men making Tim Duncan and Dirk Nowitzki proud. And they do a little bit more than both of them in terms of their, you know, full repertoire. They shoot, they pass, they're a couple of great leaders, and we're finally starting to see both of their full potential. Now, the other two candidates for MVP, my preseason pick was Kevin Durant. Have to mention him. Second in the league in scoring, just over 30 points per game. Shooting the ball over 50%, over 44% from three. Seven and a half rebounds, five and a half assists. Nets aren't playing great. They don't play a lick of defense. I think that they are going to be the number one scoring offense in the NBA, maybe in NBA history at this point with these three freaks on the floor. And I said that they still should be the favorites to win the Eastern Conference, but it's on the back of Durant right now because he is that leading scorer and they are going to have to outscore every team that they play and run them out the gym because they cannot play a lick of defense. Look at Colin Sexton. We knew this dude was great. He went five on three when he was at Alabama because everyone on his team either got ejected, fouled out, injured, whatever. 
And they played against Minnesota five on three. And in the time it was five on three, they won that last eight minutes of the game. Colin Sexton had 50. Now you see him on the NBA stage beating the Nets in back-to-back nights. Well, that's why Kevin Durant isn't atop the MVP conversation. We'll see where the Nets finish in the Eastern Conference standings after the regular season. And the other guy, the baddest point guard on the planet, his name is Steph Curry. Numbers don't look great compared to his MVP season. Uh, The biggest thing that stood out to me, uh, 4.43 pointers per game. That's second amongst his career high. The only one that finished ahead of it was the five three-pointers a game that he averaged his unanimous MVP season at the 73-9 and season. He's also averaging a career high in rebounds per game. And the Warriors are in the playoff picture in the Western Conference after it looked like really there was no shot the first couple weeks of the season since they got Draymond back. Steph Curry's been playing out of his mind, and he needs to play out of his mind if this team wants an opportunity to play in the postseason for the first time since 2019. So I think Embiid, to me, is the clear frontrunner for MVP. You know, I really think LeBron needs to be considered because the Lakers are the owners of the best record in the league, and he's the best player on that team, and he decides when, you know, the Lakers want to blow people out. But that's fine. You know what? Give the award to Embiid. He deserves it. Sixers playing great. Big turnaround from last year. You know, who am I to say anything? LeBron has has enough, you know, stuff on his trophy case. He needs to keep some room for some more finals MVP and, MV- and NBA titles. So, that's fine. Don't worry about it. All right, let's go to my Ope of the Week. Uh, I know that I probably talked the Nets to death on this show, but with Kevin Love... These rumors that the Nets are going to trade for Kevin Love that have come about over the last couple of days. What are they going to trade? Could someone explain that to me? Didn't they just give the next four years worth of first-round picks, the next eight years worth of first-round picks to the Rockets and then some to the Cavs and some to the Pacers? What are the Cavs going to get for Kevin Love? Someone who's been an All-NBAer is an NBA champion for that franchise. At one point in his career, was a 20-12 and 12 guy. And someone who hasn't played this year because of injury, Kevin Love. If the Cavs trade Kevin Love to the Nets and don't get an adequate return, there has to be something said about that, right? Like, <laughs> doesn't that feel like like too much. I understand like people want to make the joke. It's like, oh my God, the Nets are a super team. We've never seen three players this good on the same team. Well, we did. It was Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and Clay Thompson. So, you know, that's all right. And we saw Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and Kevin Love. But now the Nets don't have draft capital to trade. The only role players they were going to trade, they did. Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. You know, you have to keep Joe Harris, right? Or do you? You have to, you know, keep one big man and DeAndre Jordan. You traded the better, younger one away. That's why you don't play any defense anymore. 
And then what is the bench you're going to trade? You think the Cavaliers want Luau Cabarro? <laughs> I don't. You think they want Spencer Dinwiddie coming off a torn ACL who's not going to play this year? Why would they do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't know how that conversation can be had and the Nets really think they could trade for someone of the caliber of Kevin Love when they just got rid of everything that they could trade for James Harden. I don't know. If someone could explain it to me, tweet at me, at jpoor24 on Twitter, or at me, at jpoor on Book It Sports. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, if someone could make it make sense to me, I beg you to tell me why. Because I cannot figure it out. Unless you trade Kyrie Irving. We know Cleveland doesn't want that. That's another story for another day. Um, And speaking of, you know, kind of that James Harden trade, let's do some happy moments right now. Karis LeVert came out today, Tuesday, January 26th. Karis LeVert had successful surgery to remove uh, whatever was bothering him on his kidney. You know, it was reported that it would grow into kidney cancer. Eventually, he had a mass on his kidney. Very successful surgery. Expected to make a full recovery. More likely than not, he's going to play NBA basketball this year. He's just out indefinitely for now. That's absolutely sensational news. And, you know, Karis LeVert even said it. He said this trade literally saved his life. And it did. When you go into a full physical to make a trade go through and you stumble upon something as serious as this, that's life-changing. And, you know, happy for Karis LeVert that doctors were able to get on top of it. Uh, you know, doctors have been the savior of everybody over the past year, and you can't thank them enough. And they did a very great job in able to, uh, you know, save not just a great young player, but beyond that, a young man's life uh, by, you know, picking this out, performing a successful surgery, and getting him back to 100%. So happy thoughts. Congratulations to Karis LeVert and prayers up for him and hoping that he has a speedy recovery. Let's go through some of the national TV games of the week. Uh, Only three games tonight on Tuesday, and the only one being nationally broadcast on NBA TV. Clippers-Hawks, I will have a pick for that game. Go check out the Book It Sports app. Wednesday, ESPN doubleheader, Lakers-Sixers in Philly. That's going to be a great game. The two top seeds of each conference. And the late game, Wolves-Warriors. We just saw Steph Curry Monday night destroy the uh, Timberwolves with 36 points. You know, that's why he's in the NBA conversation. Because when he scores like that, there's no one better to watch in the entire NBA than that man, Stephen Curry. So that's why they keep considering him in the MVP talks. That's why the Warriors are on national TV as consistently as they are. Thursday, TNT, Clippers, Heat. Shout out to Bam out of Bayou. I am normally the most pessimistic fan with all of my teams. Um, I am a Miami Heat fan. I have mentioned it on the podcast before. And, you know, I think this is going to be a down year for the Heat. We, uh, The Heat have been, you know, battling injury woes all year. Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler haven't been playing a whole lot. But in the doubleheader they played against the Brooklyn Nets, Bam Adebayo was the best player on the floor for both teams. He had over 40 in the first game. 
and he was all over the floor in the second game. Yes, the Heat lost both of them, but with him being the only all-star on the floor, yeah, you have Drogic, yeah, you have Duncan Robinson, Andre Iguodala, but no Avery Bradley, no Jimmy Butler, no Tyler Hero. They put it all on Bam, and we just mentioned Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid. These are the guys that lead the MVP conversation. Another great young big man with a huge arsenal in his repertoire. Bam Adebayo playing out of his mind, and I couldn't be happier to have him on my team. Uh, they host the Clippers Thursday night. Right after that, Trailblazers Rockets. Friday night doubleheader on ESPN, Bucks Pelicans. Pelicans also in the trade rumor mill. Uh, seems like they're looking to deal Lonzo Ball and J.J. Redick. I really try to be a Lonzo Ball defender. He's taken a step back this year, which concerns me. I really thought that him and Zion were going to be something special. I really hope the Pelicans would hold on to him and maybe just let it go for the rest of the season. But I understand it from their point of view. It's the last year of his contract year. Um, you know, if they're not going to keep him and they're not, uh, you know, getting what they expect from him, yeah, you got to deal him, I guess. Uh, you know, it just stinks because I think he's a primetime player. He was drafted second overall for a reason. I would love to see it work out, but if it's not, got to do what you got to do. Late game after that, Mavericks, Jazz, Jazz are playing out of their minds. They're the, you know, third seed in the West, and they want to be considered with the big boys. They blew a huge 3-1 lead to the Nuggets in the first round last year, and they want to make no mistake about it and prove that they are here to compete for an NBA Finals. Saturday, uh, again, not a ton of games, but primetime ABC, now that there's no college football, no NFL this weekend, Yes, primetime game on ABC, Saturday night, Lakers-Celtics in Boston. Always a fun time when those two teams meet for all the historical reasons. And LeBron, of course, being in Boston, always a big deal. Sunday, NBA TV, Nuggets-Jazz, Nets-Wizards. Just mentioned the Jazz-Nuggets series from last year. It's a little rematch of that. And Monday, NBA TV, Suns-Mavericks. Other games... That aren't on national TV, I will be looking to watch. Friday night, Nuggets Spurs. The Spurs, always, always sneaky good. They had their 19-year playoff streak snapped last year. And right now, they're starting off the year over 500. That game in San Antonio. Sunday, there's a 1 p.m. game. And guess what? No NFL. Watch some NBA basketball, just like I do. Clippers-Knicks is the 1 o'clock game. And later in the day, you also have Sixers-Pacers, a battle between a couple really good Eastern Conference teams. And then Monday night, Blazers-Bucks. It seems like a match made in heaven. And I brought up the point last week that I don't think Giannis is the guy you want at the end of a close game. He needs a number one shooting and scoring option alongside him. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday don't cut it. The one guy I think just makes perfect sense, but has kind of this, you know, not to say false ideal that he could win where he is, kind of like Giannis does, but I think if they linked up, it'd be so much fun. Damian Lillard coming to Milwaukee to take on Giannis, and I don't know. That's just my idea. That happens in my fantasy land. Just imagine, you know, the Nets have Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, the Sixers, 
Simmons and Embiid seem to be working out. The Heat have the good young core with Jimmy Butler. The Pacers are looking really good. Karis LeVert is going to be a star on that team. Uh, where do the Bucks fit into the Eastern Conference pictures? The Celtics, too. Uh, you get Damian Lillard. Everything changes a lot. And they're the best team in the East if they get Damian Lillard. I'll tell you that. Because they do play defense there. Defensive player of the year, Giannis. And first team all defense, Drew Holiday, will have something to say to the Brooklyn Nets. But that's what happens in my happy fantasy land. I doubt we'll see it, but we can always dream, right? All right. Thank you guys for listening. Latest edition of the pod next week. Two episodes, and that will continue till the end of the season. Tuesdays and Fridays, next episode dropping on Tuesday. Again, check out the Book It Sports app on the App Store. Also, follow them on Twitter at Book It HQ. Give the podcast a follow, a rate, a subscribe, wherever you may be listening. Appreciate y'all. Be sure to tune in next week. I'll talk to you.